Hello, how are you? Good day and salutations. Welcome to the Bloodlines Podcast, your one-stop shop for sports news as fresh as as Subway bread. I'm your host, Brad Kirschenbaum, and we are going to do things a little bit differently today. We had recorded an entire episode, uh, both Tyler and I had, and it only recorded my audio. I'm just going to assume that's because everybody is uh, enamored with what I have to say and is just, you know, they're they're okay without, uh, without hearing the Hammock Man's opinions. That's, that's obviously not true. Uh, so we're going to do uh, kind of a, a, a one-man weave. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to vamp on a few things here, and then Tyler's going to hop on in the second half and pretend he knows what I'm talking about. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, today we're going to talk about some of the things that have been going on in the, uh, in the sports world here, some headlines, um, talk a little bit about this new golf league uh, that, that is or is not happening over in Saudi Arabia, talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers, because... Why wouldn't we talk about Aaron Rodgers and how weird he is? The baseball season that may or may not be, uh, and a couple other a uh, couple other things that, that might pop into my head here. So, as always, important to remember we are brought to you by Morton's and Mortuary with six locations in the tri-state area, trusted for over forty-six years to proudly bury everything from Jawan Howard's right hand to Bob Baffert causing Medina Spirit to take the stand. Use promo code STAND at checkout for fifteen percent off and a box of matches. That is S T A N D. For 15% off and a box of Mortensen Mortuary matches. Mortensen Mortuary. You've been killing them and we've been burying them since 1976. Family owned and operated. Member FDIC. All right. So there's been a lot going on in the sports world this week. Especially for a week where there's not a ton of games being played. College basketball is just about to hit full swing. The NBA taking time off. Uh, The NFL is going to be back in our purview very, very soon with the combine and the draft. So this week was, uh, was going to be about uh, golf. There's, there's tournaments coming along, and now all of a sudden this Saudi Golf League has been trying to poach some of the best players and, uh, and bring them over to, to go play there. It doesn't sound like anyone's taken the bait. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, love him or hate him, said no to allegedly somewhere between $120 and $240 million. Uh, that's a lot of Saudi oil money that's coming into your, uh, uh, your fedora-lined pocket there, Bryson. But... He decided, no, I want to compete against the best. I want to stay over in the United States and, and kind of roll with that. And then Phil Mickelson, the, the man of the people that everybody thinks that this, this is the down-to-earth guy. You know, it was Tiger versus Phil for a long time. Tiger was this elite guy, and Phil was this upstart that was just trying to come after him. And here we are. Phil has somehow dug himself into the deepest sandpit that you can possibly imagine with this Saudi thing. He came out. And he says, hey, listen, I understand the Saudis are just horrible human beings. But you know what? I don't really care. It's fine because, you know, they're going to pay me and I'm going to stick it to the PGA. It's like, no, just just say what you want. You wanted a bunch of money. You want to go over there. You want to be the celebrity. You want to be the star of the show because you've always kind of been second fiddle when it came to the golf world. You were always behind Tiger and then you had the group of Spieth and uh, Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas and all those guys popped in. And you wanted that spotlight to yourself. Instead... He, he comes out there, and he just said that and said, listen, I want to go help get this thing off the ground. I think this is interesting. But he comes out, and he's like, hey, listen, I understand. You know, the whole, like, we kill women, and uh, they don't really believe in basic human rights. Like, I, I, don't really, I don't really care about all that because I'm going to stick it to the PGA, something that is already viewed at an, as an elitist thing. And you're just going to say, like, yeah, me, uh, yeah, I'm good. I, I think I'm fine. I was never a Phil guy to begin with. Uh, I didn't dislike him, but I didn't love him the way the rest of the world did. But now with this, it's just like you've, you've shown your butt. You've shown your true character and exactly what you think about what, what golf means. This whole Saudi golf league thing is, be, is ridiculous to begin with because it's like the people over in Europe that are like, oh, yeah, you can't say you're the world champions if you win the Super Bowl. 
because just because you won the Super Bowl, you know, you're the world champions because there's no there's no other league in the in the world that you're competing against. Did you beat the best French team? It's like, no, but the best French team was like a bunch of eighth graders that are from the United States that happen to be playing at recess. It's insane for their, for people to think like, oh, we need to have a worldwide league. We do. It's called the PGA Tour. They play in Asia. They play in Africa. They play in Europe. They play in the United States. They travel all over the world. We don't need a second golf league, especially not one ruled by a bunch of, I mean, a bunch of people who have completely disregarded human rights and they just throw money at problems. So uh, it, I've never been more, I hate to say disappointed because I have very low expectations for athletes. Like they're famous because they're good at, at doing a physical task, not because they're smart or because they're morally centered in any way, shape or form. But for somebody like Phil, who positioned himself as the man of the people, for him to just just blatantly throw that out the window in three seconds is, is really incredible. So more power to you, Phil. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I hope, I hope the sand dunes don't hit you on the way out because I, I, I could care less to hear from you ever again. He's given up TV money now. People are not going to want to listen to him because what's he going to say? Hey, listen, yeah, you know, I understand this golfer here. He beats the hell out of his wife and his kids, but you know, pretty good at golf. So it's okay. Like pretty good guy. If you really think about it, it's like, that's, that's all I'm going to be able to think when I think of Phil now. So I'm out, I'm out on the Phil thing. But speaking of people making weird decisions, I know that, you know, our favorite uh, whipping post on this podcast has long been Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I, don't, I don't have the disdain towards Aaron Rodgers that, uh, that, our, that my co-host, uh, Mr. Hammock, does. But at the same time, this whole attention grab has gotten absolutely insane. The fact that he is, he's just posting cryptic text messages, Instagram messages, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 it's nothing. It's like, okay. Yeah, it, it obviously is, because anybody who's posting on social media wants attention for something. Like, the inherent nature of social media is like, hi, look at me. I am a person. I am doing a thing. Pay attention to it. And the more you write and the more you show, the more attention you are expecting to get. Like, it's a, it, I feel like there's a ratio of, if I'm going to say a whole bunch of words, I want you to read all those words in addition to looking at my pictures. And he's, he does this thing about, oh, these are the people that I've loved and that matter the most. And it's like, if you're going to say that, you have to know and be self-aware enough because apparently he's a genius who understands all the medical science in the world because he doesn't need to get vaccinated because he's, he's got crystals that are shoved up his butt by his ex-fiance that, that are going to fix him. He's so smart. He can think through all this. So if you say, I'm going to talk about every person in the world that I love, you better be damn sure you think about every single person in the world that's made an impact in your life. Well, assuming he did all of that, he clearly wanted a cry for it. This was clearly a cry for attention. Because somebody was talking about something else for three seconds. And so here he comes in posting all these pictures. And everybody's like, oh, well, he normally stands next to Randall Cobb and uh, uh, Devontae Adams. And he wasn't in that one picture. And that, that must mean this and that must mean that. And then he comes out and says, well, you know, I don't – yeah, I really was – I didn't mean anything like that. I was just, just, making, a, just making a post. Like, bullshit. No, you weren't. You were, you were 100% looking for somebody to pay attention to it and turn it into a news cycle. And he got what he wanted. But how many times – are we just bored? Is that what's going on? Do we not have enough sports news to talk about? Because he made an announcement that he's going to make an announcement about where he's going to go sometime in the near future. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I want for dinner sometime between now and next Tuesday for what I want for dinner in three months. Nobody cares. Like, just tell me what you want for dinner. And it's getting obnoxious. And for a franchise like the Packers, that, you know, it's Wisconsin, it's hardworking folks. I lived in Wisconsin for a year. Really fantastic people up there. I really enjoyed my time. I, I like most of the Packers fans, friends in my life, and think that they're pretty level-headed people. Uh, and Wisconsin, you know, it's a Midwestern, uh, it's a Midwestern state, good, hardworking, you know, people, very blue collar sentiment. And for, for 
Aaron Rodgers to come out there and just want this attention so bad is so counterintuitive to how that state operates. I think people like their sports teams to be reflect, uh, reflections on who they are and, and, and their culture. And it's Dan, Aaron Rodgers is coming out there and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, just have, well, here's the people I love. Oh, whoops, I forgot to talk about this, 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 and that. No, you knew exactly what you were doing. But is this, this is not an uncommon thing with athletes. We saw Kyler Murray doing this by deleting all of the Cardinals stuff. We've seen athletes for the last several years post things on social media to try to get some attention about something, whatever that may be. But is this, is this the, uh, the participation trophy, quote unquote, stuff that all the boomers were talking and complaining about for so long where they said, well, you know, these darn kids are getting participation trophies for everything. They're never going to grow up. They're never going to be able to just stand on their own two feet and not take, uh, not, not take no or losing for an answer. Maybe Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's technically a millennial. He's only a couple years older than I am. And apparently I'm a millennial. So maybe this is that generation starting to rear its head when they're not the new hotness anymore. And he needs that attention. So I'm curious to see if, because uh, I still think the participation trophies, I'm not a fan of them. I, I think you win them, you win or you lose. And it's like, it's okay to not get something if you lose. It's fine. That should motivate you to work harder. But nonetheless, we've instilled this idea in generations of athletes that everybody should get something. And so I wonder if Aaron Rodgers is the embodiment of this. And I wonder if this is what we're going to see bore out over the next several years as, uh, as that culture becomes more pervasive, where you have the, you know, you're very special and you tried really hard and you did your best. Even with these elite athletes that have never lost, at a certain point, you're not the best at your level, even if it's professionalism uh, or at the professional level. Uh, I mean, you, there's, there's something to be said for uh, having humbling experiences. And I think a lot of these guys have not had them. And Aaron Rodgers sits there and he, he blames everybody else in the world. And I think this is just another byproduct of that. So I'll be curious to see how this all shakes out. If I was a Packers fan, of course, you know, you take him back. Any team is going to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, what a little bitch. And then if he comes and joins our team, be like, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I love him. So I don't think that it's going to be anything that is going to affect how people view him, other than the fact that it's becoming more and more apparent that maybe he's a little bit of the problem in Green Bay. And Green Bay uh, is not as much of the problem because culture-wise, that's always been a strong franchise. And now you have the squeakiest of squeaky wheels out here bathing in waterfall tears from – South African elephants it's to try to cure whatever eye goober he has. Uh, and that's, that's where we're at with Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how this shakes out. I, I think he's going to stick around Green Bay. I don't think he's going to go to Denver. And he's going to get all the attention he wants. And say, you know, we're going to do one more time, unfinished business. And win the MVP, losing the wild card round, and then, and then away we go. Last thing I wanted to touch on here is uh, what are we going to do about the whole baseball situation? And if you're not paying attention, which is fine, because baseball – really doesn't come on anybody's radar until right about now. Maybe they're like, yeah, yeah, there's going to be a baseball season soon. Well, it's probably not, at least not soon. It sounds like Major League Baseball is going to prevent uh, the players from coming back. Um, I mean, they're already in a lockout, but they're going to start losing games if there's no agreement reached by Monday, which obviously a negotiating tactic. You have to go out in the public and say, this is what's going to happen. I mean, we, what are we supposed to do? And I think what we're going to end up seeing is – a really disturbing thing for baseball where it's going to be mid-April and we're not going to, maybe spring training has just started up or maybe they're still negotiating all of this and we're going to be heading towards another shortened season over the last two years. But instead of people having a fit, like they were when football season was considering getting canceled during COVID, people might just think, oh, I guess, I guess we're not going to have baseball this year. Well, um, anybody, anybody will learn something about Aussie rules football? I guess we'll, I guess we'll go watch that. I, I think that what baseball should be most afraid of is a, a resounding silence when people are like, yeah, we're going to cancel this season. And they're like, okay, 
that's that, that's fine. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, back to back to the Aussie League football. Want to want to talk a little bit about? Uh, I actually don't know any Aussie League football teams. We'll uh, we'll, we'll clean that up in the uh, in the next episode. But hey, I I think that baseball is in for a really bad reckoning where. It's like if you go through a breakup and you're like, you know what? I'm breaking up with you. I'm leaving you. And the person's like, oh, no, 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 don't go. You mean all your crazy nonsense and, you know, sitting there and being boring for the last two years. You're not going to go anywhere. Jeez, that's 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 terrible. I think that's where we're headed with baseball. They've done a terrible job of marketing their stars. Uh, the, the owners keep talking about moving teams uh, and, and building new stadiums and building them. I mean, Atlanta just moved their stadium out of the city, which I understand for traffic purposes, it made a whole lot of sense, but they just made it inaccessible to a huge swath of the fan base because you move it to one side of a circular city, it's going to be very hard for the other side of that city to get there. And the Braves are a very popular historic franchise. So I don't know, I don't know how this ends well for baseball. Um, we had a conversation, Tyler and I did, in the episode that got deleted about have you ever seen Mike Trout play baseball? Like how many times have you actually seen Mike Trout play baseball? And I used to have alert set to watch him. But this is, guy, this is a guy who, at minimum, is on pace to have a top five career of all time. He's absolutely incredible. If he can stay healthy, then I think that he really has a shot of making it like an all-around, like, hey, you are probably an all-around better baseball player than some real legends of the game. Like what Mickey Mantle would have been had he not gotten hurt all those years. But we're going to lose a season of that. We're at least going to lose more games of that. And he's been injured. But the bigger problem is... I can, so I can imitate Mike Trout's batting stance okay. But growing up, I could still I could still give you Ken Griffey Jr.'s batting stance. I could give you, you uh, what was his name, Steve Service's batting stance. I could give you Frank Thomas's. I could give you Bonds. I give you all these guys that I grew up watching. I don't think there's many baseball players whose stance I can imitate besides like Rizzo and Trout and then, you know, anybody from the Cubs who I watch a decent amount. But it used to be universal. And this is what, seriously one of the greatest players of all time. And baseball has done nothing absolutely nothing to make people care enough about it to miss it. And I, I think we're in for a, a very interesting ride here. The issues that are dividing the union and, uh, and the owners are big. Like these are, these are huge, massive issues about player treatment, about contract fairness, about revenue sharing. This isn't like, hey, you know, when the NFL went and they reduced the number of practice days for player health and safety a few years ago, it wasn't anything like that. Like that was kind of, a, okay, yeah, we got to do something. How much of that thing are we going to do? So I think baseball, really, really, really tough spot. I think that they are going to find themselves um, oddly not missed if they are not careful. I will miss them as much for the ambiance of checking out a game at Wrigley on Friday afternoon, you know, cutting out of work just a, just a few minutes early and heading down to the park. Even if you don't stay for the whole game, you stay five, six innings, grab a couple beers, grab a dog, just sit there and, and, and have that experience. And instead, uh, we're going to be deprived of that. Baseball is a uh, – the experience of baseball is not a single game. It is the ongoing nature of the season where you just constantly check in and it is constant. It's, uh, you know, it's the field of dreams. Baseball's always been there through wars, through famines, through droughts. It's always been there. And the, the concerning thing for me is that if all of a sudden you're okay without that white noise of baseball, then you have lost the really the, the spirit of the game because most people live for that. They don't live for the World Series. If you're a Mariners fan, you don't even know how to spell World Series, but you still love having that on in the background. So I think that's where we're headed with baseball, um, and I, I hate to say it because I love baseball. I really, really do, and I hope they get this figured out, but I think that we're headed for a tough spot here. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're gonna, I'm going to send you off into the weekend. Uh, Tyler's going to uh, hop on, give a couple of his thoughts here, but wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be a, a full Bloodlines podcast without a little bit of boom roasted. And I, I think that one of the news stories that 
that really struck me was that I, I did hear that Patrick Mahomes would be joining the new Saudi Golf League, considering he has no issue looking the other way when playing against four. Boom, roasted. And if Fred Hoiberg, Nebraska's head basketball coach, was a server, he'd be giving out salads to people who ordered steak, smoothies instead of wine, and chopsticks to eat soup. And he'd get a raise at the end of his shift. Boom, roasted. The Kansas City Chiefs have announced that they have hired Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy as their senior assistant and quarterbacks coach. Oh my God, he's going, he's going back to just work under Andy Reid in that role for the rest of his life. Most likely, eventually, what's going to happen is Eric Bieniemy. And this is my thank you, thank you, Matt Nagy, for being being the inspiration to realize that I can't not chase my dreams and be and be held accountable to my brother-in-law who's already done his 15 minutes. I have to be there for him, just like you were not there for Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson at the end of the season for your meeting. Um, I'm going to be there for them, even if it is just for 10 minutes. We're going to piece this together and have a nice little rant about everything. So he's going back. He's just but he's just going to sit there forever under under Andy Reid. Um, Eric Bieniemy might looks like he's going to be there at least one more year, but eventually he'll get his head coaching job in the next three to five years. And then Matt Nagy's just going to be the offensive coordinator there forever, doing nothing. He won't call plays. He'll just be the little yes man that he always is, um, which is gets me into a decent transition to the rest of the NFL. And the, I feel like Mitch is starting to get a little bit of love. Um, not just from former from from former Bears players and and uh, teammates of his who have always sung his praises, which is always what has questioned me so much. The people I feel like a lot of the biggest I hate to say the word haters, but critics, biggest critics of Mitch. You know, they people just don't listen to what his actual teammates are saying about the guy and and the situation that he was put in and. Specifically, you can think of Charles Leno Jr., who was a, a seventh-round draft pick for the Bears, and then he ended up being a six-, seven-year starter, uh, and Ryan Pace decided not to sign him, but he was one of Mitch's best friends. He gets picked up by Washington and is one of the most solid, consistent left tackles again uh, for the last two years, or maybe it was just this last one year, I know. Um but these guys that are so proven in the league and have moved on to other places, all they do is talk about how Mitch was one of the absolute consummate professionals, first guy in, last guy out mentality, and the absolute type of cultural leader that you're looking for. And God, it just goes to show how awful Matt Nagy was that he had that guy, even if Mitch is, even if, let's, we're not even talking about the talent, not even talking about the talent right now. We're just talking about who the man that he is, and that has been so proven from people in Ohio. Like, he's just, it's documented everybody in his life is it's very vocal that he's a good person even through failure and he handles things well I would say even even division rivals would say watching him go through losses heck maybe it's the baby face I don't know but he handles things in a pretty well um, you know, his manner and uh, his mannerisms and his demeanor is pretty professional and positive, um, even in tough situations. But anyway, um, what I'm getting at, it seems like things are getting a little bit more spiced up for Mitch now um, as the, the we're creeping up to the free agency market that I believe starts next week, um, if not the week after here really soon as we go to that before we get to the draft combine and then, and then the draft, obviously. So, um, 
it's it's just going to be interesting to see where he goes. And there's a lot of lot of moving pieces, obviously, with let's just say Russell Wilson might move and then Aaron Rodgers might move. I think both of them will probably just end up staying in the same place. But, um, I mean, what about a place like Pittsburgh? I mean, Pittsburgh's a place that Rodgers allegedly got rumored to for a, probably a very short period of time. Um, I think that is a place that Mitch would be ro- absolute rock solid in. Pittsburgh is very this, very similar to Western Ohio, where he's from. That's the or the Eastern Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, um, you know, country, the that part of the world, like where Mike Dick is from and so many great coaches are from and Bo Pelini's, the Youngstown area. It's all that Pittsburgh culture in the 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 Cleveland Columbus not Columbus, but that Cleveland and not Toledo. What are the, what's that other town there? Definitely Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Let's just stick with that. Let's not get too crazy with it. They're just blue collar towns. Um, like they're just rooted in great, great football. Penn State's right there. Ohio State's right there. Best, really, some of the most underrated high school f- talent is right there. And Mitch is from that area, and it, he's very blue collar himself, and kind of a humble guy. And and on a team that just needs a little bit of functioning quarterback play. I mean, it's kind of like what the Broncos were doing after the year that they had to place or replace a paid Manning. You could barely get the ball down the field. Well, that's actually kind of not, not a great point because they did win the Super Bowl that year um, because they had the greatest defense. But that's kind of my point. Mitch just needs that defense, which is pretty much what he had in Chicago. And I don't know the Pittsburgh Steelers def- or roster personnel perfectly, but as long as you have TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and a lot of the guys that they've built that defense around, which I they just had this year that were all great. That's a team that fits for Mitch. I mean, you you only have to pay Mitch maybe if he's going to get starting salary, which I think he will, maybe ten to twelve million. Probably like what the Bears played Nick Foles when he came in um, from Jacksonville, and God, which is an awful trade. Actually, it was like twenty million when we got him. So God, that's just boiling my boiling my skin even further. But um, anyway, we're just Team Mitch. That's how I wanted to spend the first seven and a half minutes of this podcast. I'm um, talking about with Team Mitch, still anti Nagy. Let's talk about. Um, you know, the Fred Hoiberg extension, I would say most of our listeners are still pretty Midwestern, um, other than all of you who are still listening from uh, that week that we were number one out in Boise. Shout out to everybody from back in the day. Um, but let's let, we got to talk some Husker basketball, which Fred Hoiberg got the extension. Um, I, I don't follow Husker basketball that well at all. Never really have. But it seems like most of this is stemming from the extension, at least, why he got the extension, because he's obviously not having success. Um, it's stemming from the contract buyout, and they're going to have to pay him. I think it was upwards of 20, upwards of 20 million. I, I think maybe it was closer to 16, 17 million dollar range if they fired him this year. Um, and that now the report is that number drops down to I think it was 10 and a half or 11 million uh, with this deal. So as long as they fire him next year, then the buyout's only 11 million, which if you're already announcing that, you're like you're already announcing that the buyout's going down by what's a 70 million. Aren't you just saying that this deal is just going to save us seven or eight million and this is his last year? 
Like, there's there's really nothing else that messaging could be saying. Like, hey, we're updating his contract. <clears throat> it's not getting any better long term or anything. But what we're really doing is updating the buyout so we can just save our ass and save everything. But um, that's why that's why this seems to be happening. I mean, they're like seven and twenty. You can start to make jokes that they're barely getting any more wins than the football team is nowadays. And um, I don't know. I thought it'd be let's just spend few minutes talking about just the state of Husker athletics not just Nebraska basketball but from the outside looking in things have just gotten so grim and dark um across all men let's just say all men's sports um Husker baseball really is a really prideful aspect of Husker nation that I remember even growing up I used I remember there used to be a um an NCAA baseball video game and i i couldn't wait to just see haymarket park mainly because i was like i could always like tell my friends like look there's memorial stadium in the background like this is what it's like on on uh, uh when you go to the spring game and they have a game over there you just walk right over i used to love doing that but um also like back in the job chamberlain and the 2005 i think it was five or four uh teams that came to the college world series um there's just there's a lot of lot of great traditions there in Husker baseball, um, separate from the obvious ones with with football and what they're trying to build with Pinnacle Bank and basketball. That have just the days have been dark. We've looked for our saviors in Erstad, and that hasn't been there. Basketball, not saying that sadly we're supposed to be a savior, but Hoiberg, I would say, probably was to a lot of Husker basketball fans, which I don't claim myself as one, but that's who they were going to be. And even as an outsider looking in at that basketball program, I thought Fred was a great hire. I thought it seemed like a pretty no-brainer home run, like he was going to do great things. Um, and now Husker football. and. This is I, I want to get a little positive because we need this is what the why we do this podcast is to make me Brad and Ali just enjoy our lives more and and love while we we do enjoy and love our nine to fives this is this is a lot of fun for us and and we hope that our friends and family and who everybody this is extended to over the first four months has fun with us too um, but let, we got to make sure we have fun with this so not just the negatives of Husker athletics which I've kind of already stated and and where they are, where we are. But Husker football. So I want to pull up another tweet that I read that I had bookmarked. Give me just a second as I scroll to it. Because Husker, there's there's so many crazy stats out there, obviously, about last year's Nebraska football team, how many wins we had, um, the odds of how it should have worked out with how many games we tragically lost. And um, yeah, I even heard Big Cat on Pardon My Take a couple weeks ago. He was saying, like, we should have had at least Nebraska in the big, in the uh, um, in the uh, college football playoff as the four seed every year. Because no matter, like, instead of any Big Ten team, because at least they won't get blown out. Um, but this, this stat was just kind of crazy. So it's one of the respected, it's called CFB Numbers, CFB Numbers. It's a really good Twitter account if you guys don't follow up. They do a lot of really impressive statistical data analysis stuff. And and this one that they did, it came out in February, early February they did it because they still think it's one of the craziest statistical anomaly seasons in the history of football. Um but they did 5,000 different simulations, which they often do, which predicts the accuracy of a team's uh, win-loss record at a 93% clip by, by doing the 53% times, and they get this little mean. So when they did that 50, when they did that 5,000 times, that ended up getting Nebraska at three and nine twice. So in a simulated 
<clears throat> machine that does this constantly, which, yeah, whatever, analysis. I'm the one who mainly always says we, we're not going to be a numbers podcast. Um, but this is crazy. Like two times, two out of 5,000, they were going to be three and nine last year. There's no way that can happen again. It just can't. And the year before was just as bad. Like it just, it, it, it just cannot happen again. And while, yes, there were some key pieces that were lost, I think most of them got replaced pretty darn well. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt's really the main thing I'm thinking of that we've lost that have not been able, I don't think we've been able to replace. There might be guys that are stepping up I don't know of yet. But man, the positivity that I can think of with Casey Thompson at quarterback now, um, a lot of these transfers that are coming in, I don't deem myself to be a rivals guru anymore and, and don't want to be, so I'm not going to try to preach myself as that here, but um, just want to say for any any non-Husker fan not any non-Husker fans or non-Husker basketball fans that look at this program and the state of Nebraska athletics and are just like, Jesus, this place is such a shit show. Like, what are they doing? I, th- I think things are really turning. And, and it's maybe it's the Omaha guy in me now after being here for a decade. Like, what Trev Alberts did to UNO and what he did with the Mavericks looking at, I live just around the corner from Baxter Arena and the gorgeous brand new baseball softball complex. Um, Anna and my wife even just told me the other day that UNO, um, I think it was UNO, either women's or men's tennis just beat Nebraska, which is like a just a shocking, shocking upset the way that she was framing it. Just like the the state of what he did for UNO um, and now being at Nebraska for the last less than a year probably, I think it is. Um, he's going to do great things. And, and really that's why I'm willing to give – Scott one more chance because Trev was um, and I think it's this is my official statement that going into the last couple of years I've been very cynical I think even friends of to the point of annoyance I'd be shocked I'd be honestly I'd be surprised if most of them haven't uh, 30 second fast forwarded through most of this segment because they expected most of my negativity but that's done we're not going to live that life anymore we're going to be appreciative of the things we have and we are we have Trev Alberts we have the the support of oh what's that social media company down there um open doors that does all the great uh like short clip videos for the athletes and everything um there's a lot of great things going on down there so definitely things are turning up a little bit and i actually did a decent job of uh building up a little bit of time already a little worried about how many times maybe uh and um have been said so gosh my speech teacher from Nequa is going to be so upset if she's listening um and there it is again. So I'm sure there's a lot of them in there. So I apologize to everybody for that one too. But we will end up with, I got to tell everybody, because Brad, I don't, maybe Brad told you this, may, probably did not. I confess I didn't even listen to his either. So if you want to just skip that to get to mine, I didn't, wouldn't have blamed you. Um, but the super contest, it ended. So season three is over and we have a loser. And it was Ollie. Uh, started out to a really hot start with Canada and Austria at the beginning. And it just didn't really materialize too much as Italy and Switzerland didn't do anything after the first couple of days. So he will have to dress up as Brad and I decided. Um, he's going to dress up as a Japanese man. 
Um, essentially, mainly, we want them to dress up like wearing a kimono, or just get one of those like nice flowery robes and and do something fun. Make sure he wears or he uh, uses one of those fans, you know, those fans that the women use to like uh, keep their face um, cool and everything. So that's what Ollie's going to be wearing for St. Patrick's Day this year as his punishment for losing season three of the Bloodline Super Contest after the Olympic medal count. So we will be doing a very very exciting um only the people on really on my bachelor party from last year are uh, exp- have experienced this before but we're going to do a really fun against the spread march madness bracket challenge in a couple of weeks so this will be open to everybody it is absolutely unlimited um you'll we'll give the you'll have to email probably the bloodlines email once we get there just want to give a little preview for everybody and that what it's going to be so you can get excited about it. So it's again, it's against the spread for the entire March Madness bracket once it, once it comes out. So instead of picking games, essentially everybody will be assigned like four or five teams. They cost a certain amount of money and you get four or five teams. And those teams, so even if you have a 16 seed and you're like, oh, you, in most brackets, you're done. Like you're not, if you get really anything above like a 10 seed, it's like you're even making the final four. But in this pool, everybody's alive at all times because even if you get the 16 seed you're going to get that plus 32 and a half in the first round and if they cover against villanova or illinois or creighton or whoever gets the one seed um then you're still get to move on and you take that next team so but if you're the favorite and you uh, still cover then you move on and obviously you keep that team and then you move you keep moving forward and moving forward i'll explain this further as we get there but just wanted to just lay the egg a little bit that it's a really fun uh, bracket. We did it for the first time last year. It was very successful. Uh, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. So we're going to open it up to everybody for season four of the Bloodline Super Contest. That is what it will be. And whoever gets the lowest in that, Brad, Ollie, and I will uh, come up with another fun punishment. But anyway, thanks thanks for listening. Hope this wasn't too miserable for everybody. Uh, like I said, that's this is was never really our intention. But uh, we do want to stay committed to our listeners and put some kind of product out to you guys because it has been just so much fun growing this thing over the first few months and we're appreciative of everybody who uh, chimes in with us every week and is following these these fun little stories like the super contest and unhinged and everything so um, hope you're having fun and uh, this is a nice little escape from the craziness of the world and until next time hug it chug it football